this is Jonathan Abbott. And Joseph Del Santos. And we are Health Conscious Radio. What are we talking about this week? So t- this week, we're going to be talking about internships and resumes and cover letters. Yeah, those are also important things that we all need, especially those in health administration programs, business administration programs. It doesn't really matter. It could be even the undergraduates. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about some things to prepare for internships and what to expect in the process. Right. And we're really excited. We have a great panel of guests this week who have landed excellent offers, and we hope this conversation will help all you listeners and your search to ultimately getting that offer. Without further ado, here is our conversation. So we have three Sloanies with us. Um, start to the left with me. Adrian, if you would introduce yourself. I'm Adrian. I'm a first year MHA student, and this summer I'll be doing my administrative internship at Cleveland Clinic in the Digestive Disease and Surgery Institute. Hi, guys. My name is Daniel Jean Philippe. I am also a first year uh, Sloan student, one year uh, undergrad at Cornell, also, um, and I will be working in the emergency preparedness uh, department at UCLA Health. Hi, everyone. My name is Sapin Shah. I'm a first year Sloan student here at Cornell. Uh, I'm actually from Houston, Texas, and uh, was raised there, and went to undergraduate at Texas A&M, actually, and this summer I'll be at Vanderbilt University's Medical Center with their analytics consulting team. And I am Jonathan Abbott, um, also at Cornell, and I'm going to Deloitte Consulting. And I'm Joseph Del Santos again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll be at Kaiser Permanente in the Permanente Medical Group, uh, internal consulting for quality and operations support. And I want to give a shout out to Sutton Shaw, our blogger, um, and thank him for actually, um, you know, getting his voice over the waves uh, as well. Yeah, it's always a pleasure being on the show, finally. <laughs> <laughs> to kick it off, what were your guys' thoughts coming into kind of your first year about where you guys wanted to go, and how did that kind of change as you kind of went into your classes and saw the opportunities that were available to you guys? Well, for me... Um... I knew as far as internships, you could do consulting or hospitals or even insurance. And I knew coming into the program that my primary interest is in hospitals. So I knew from the beginning of the semester that I was going to pursue hospital internships. So I kind of like crossed those off my list. And depending on the type of person you are, you might want to keep all those options open. But because I knew that my focus was in hospitals and hospital operations, I focused my internship search to just that. For me, I was in between consulting and hospital internships. Um, I think going into uh, my first year and first semester more, I started to lean more towards um, hospitals in terms of just lifestyle, kind of what I wanted to do and just personality fit. I thought I was more uh, geared towards the hospital. Um, I kind of closed myself off initially because I was more focused on the East Coast and um, as opposed for internships at least. Um, I'm from Boston and wanted to kind of stay close to home. And I, I mean, I'll, I'll be interning at UCLA Health, so I guess it, it, it really didn't go, sometimes things don't go as you plan, but you know, it works out for the better. Yeah, I think initially uh, I started out also kind of focused on hospital operations and I actually didn't know much about consulting or pharma or the payer side at all. So when I entered Sloan, I actually got a lot of exposure to alumni, professionals, professors, and like faculty here at Cornell. And so that was a big eye opener. And I think as I learned more about that, I actually 
started thinking about other career options uh, beyond just hospital operations because I really wanted a, a fast paced work environment, you know, working with people who are, you know, not only passionate about the industry, but are also really interested in problem solving and uh, fixing the challenges of the, our healthcare system. So. So when you guys first decided on, you know, what field you wanted to go into, what were the first steps that you took to kind of pursue the companies that you were targeting? Well, um, early on when I got to Sloan, since I knew I wanted to do hospitals, I first comprised a list of hospitals that I was personally interested in and Mm -hmm. hospitals that had traditionally had um, internship programs. So that's where I started. And then I knew that in order to get an interview, um, I needed to have a pretty crisp resume and also cover letter, so I worked hard on both of those things. Yeah, and what are some things that you did to sort of spruce up your application? Um, feedback from mm-hmm. multiple people, I think, was key, especially in my cover letter, because I think that beyond a resume, especially competing against your fellow Sloanies or fellow classmates, I think separating yourself in your cover letter and having multiple people kind of review that and find um, what is unique to you and expressing that through a cover letter kind of makes you stand out in the application process, at least for me. Yeah. Did, did you go to uh, Dr. Craig Snow? I did. I went to him. <laughs> I went to Julie. I went to people from home that I knew prior. I was just mm-hmm. trying to get as many eyes as I could um, on my application, people who were not just um, academics, but people who were kind of professional as well, because mm-hmm. I think that people in academics um, look at resumes and cover letters differently than um, professionals in the industry. Yeah, that's good advice, just getting a lot of yeah. like eyes on it. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely impress upon, uh, just to piggyback off Adrian, uh, impress upon the importance of a cover letter. Um, I know some institutions don't really look at it or some institutions really take it seriously and then there's some that you don't really look at it until it's time to say, oh, let's, we're thinking about interviewing this individual. Let's see if there's, but we don't have this, uh, this many spots. Uh, let's see what they have in their cover letter. So it's more of a last resort thing to kind of weed people out. Um, initially, I didn't get as uh, interviews with places that I guess I, I, I wanted to, or I felt that at least I was, I had the opportunity of getting an interview for. And I think that was because for my cover letters for uh, um, a couple places that it was really um, rinse, wash, repeat. I would just change the name of the institution <laughs> as opposed to making the cover letter tailored to that specific organization and the position that I was applying for. And the, to the few places that I really did take it serious, I I, I really did get some notification as opposed to like um, an intern, uh, an interviewer, even if um, I didn't even get an interview that they kind of had the courtesy of letting me know as opposed to just skipping right over me and not letting me know at all. Right. So I would really, I mean, it's it seems, it's a very onerous um, thing to do your first semester, especially if you're taking a lot of credits, you know, thinking, wow, you know, making a different cover letter for each organization when I'm applying for 20, but it's really important, especially, it's really, you only need one interview to stand out or to really get a position or one good interview. Uh, that's sometimes what all it takes and for me that's kind of what happens you know I, I i didn't have as many interviews as i would like I, I i like to have but to the few that i had you know you can really make um a difference so and that all starts off with getting your foot in the door whether that is you know really polishing your cover uh your resume getting feedback on that your same thing with the cover letter and and of course like reaching out to recruiters and people in the organization even if it's not to 
don't do it in a self-serving manner mm-hmm. but a way to get in information it's all about you know getting your name out there because a lot of these places they see you know the same name come up and then they have really no choice but to interview you because now they're curious and now they know who you are but to again to reel it back i would say you know the basics just to get your foot in because you really just need an interview right. that i think that's the most important part is you know you you at the at that point it's, it's really up to you but in order to get your foot in the door, you really have to have a very polished resume and cover letter. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you put in a lot of work into your cover letters and resume. So how much time would you say you kind of spent like making it perfect and doing all the edits? Well, I was a liberal arts major in undergrad, so all I did was write. And ironically, I kind of I don't like writing. <laughs> so <laughs> so it, it, it's not hard for me to write well but it is difficult because i sometimes i don't have my mind in it mm-hmm. but if you're passionate it's, it really depends upon you know if you're passionate about something it, it really it doesn't take that much time it's really getting what thoughts you you know your best foot forward and you know the how to really you know tell about all of your experiences and all of your passion in healthcare in one page that is the most difficult thing and it really is kind of, you know, getting feedback and making sure you're not just putting either too much detail or too little detail. Mm-hmm. So I would say that, you know, a good cover letter for me may take, you know, several hours. Mm-hmm. Um, it may take people more, it may take people less. It's not really about the time thing, but it's making sure you at least have one really good one that hopefully you can tailor to, you know, multiple different organizations and situations. Mm-hmm. I would also say that um, early on, there were certain organizations that I knew I was interested in that didn't have formal internships. So I, like JP said, reached out to certain people within our alumni network and from personal contacts that I tried to form genuine connections with so that if there were an opportunity there, they would let me know about it or I could sort of introduce that idea to them um, in the future. Yeah, I definitely echo JP's and Adrian's sentiments. I think initially when I started off, I think the big mistake I made was that I applied to a lot of organizations thinking, you know, wow, if I could get interviews with these big companies, you know, something could work out. But I think that was the wrong decision. And I think my biggest takeaway from the intern search was focus on quality over quantity. I think it's not about the number of applications you send out. It's about how many connections you make, how good you make those resumes and cover letters, of course. But it's really about treating the people that you meet, not just as, not solely for the purpose of, you know, getting an internship or a great job offer at the end of the day, but really learning about the industry and seeing, you know, where's your value proposition? You know, where can you add value to you know, the end, end-to-end process, where can you step into the organization and say, this is where, you know, I can make a difference. And I think for internship purposes, it's of course important that at the end of the summer that we all have like a great mm-hmm. experience, but I think it's really important to understand that we're in this industry to make a difference for the people. And I mm-hmm. think being able to be aware of that throughout the process is really crucial. And regardless of um, just to piggyback on something, when he said, you know, don't look at it, just focus on an um, internship or interview. I like to think long term, so currently, you know, I haven't even started my internship and I'm looking at, like, where I want to apply for a job and, you know, who to reach out for, you know, inspired by Adrian, who's already, you know, in that process. <laughs> um, so I was, and, and I say that just to say, because, you know, 
again, like for the the whole internship process, you don't want to burn bridges because you know these are the same people you're gonna look at when you're applying to jobs. Regardless of that, it, it, and the more important part is you know these are people who you're going to work in with healthcare, and healthcare is a very small, it's very large but a very small community, especially at the mid to upper ranks. Um, so I would say that you know even if something doesn't work out, then you or you know still reach out to people, have connections because. You know, at the end of the day, they may be your boss. They may be, you know, someone who works beside you, someone who works under you. So you don't want to have leave a bad impression. And really, you know, again, it's really making it's it's more about it's 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 bigger than all of us, and it's about making healthcare, you know, better for you know the, the United States. So I would say that if anything, you know, it's about you know having those connections and building those bridges, so we have a better healthcare system. Yeah, yeah. So what I'm hearing from all you guys is the importance of building connections. So, right. so maybe some students who are coming in next year might not have the best network or might not know how to reach out or even where to go to reach out. So what are some ways that you opened up a conversation or even found an email that kind of helped you build those connections and landed you great internships? I find it most genuine when you try to find someone who has similar interests as you. I think it's easier to spark a conversation mm-hmm. with that person and to genuinely build that connection. So um, if it's through LinkedIn or if it's through your alumni network or through people like Brooke and Julian and Tony mm-hmm. who, you know, well, this person's from your area or this person's doing something that you said mm-hmm. you liked, I think that's a great way to kind of start to build that bridge of a connection mm-hmm. between someone. Yeah. Um, one thing that I found really helpful, or the, was probably the most helpful, at least to me, is really when you get FaceTime with people. Um, you know, it's really hard to uh, really show people who you are as a person in, uh, you know, in a hundred-word email, right. or a hundred-word mm-hmm. or less email. You know, obviously, the shorter the better. You know, these are people's time, and you have to be cognizant of that. Um, so I think that, you know, for me, and I know Adrian, when we went to the NACI, case competition and conference back in uh, October 2017 where we it was less of a case competition and more of an organization that was really towards you know again those connections and you know there were various fellows and people who were you know um, current fellows former fellows just a lot of people in the different stages of healthcare and working in healthcare and you know I uh, myself and Adrian, we had the pleasure of really connecting with people who could potentially be people who hire us. So it was that FaceTime, and, and it felt genuine because we weren't really ask we weren't asking for jobs. We were just, you know, vibing and connecting with people who who already worked in healthcare. And it, and and at the end of the day, you know, when you reach out to those people, they remember you. They know who you are. Mm-hmm. So you know those. You know the situations where it's like you know networking sessions I know it's really it's, it's it's dreaded and you don't want to go there but you know when people know who you look like then you, they remember your name but if you're emailing them or sometimes or even on LinkedIn not to discredit it because that is very important but you know when they can match your that face with the person who's been emailing them that really works to your advantage and just to piggyback off of that, um, I think that early on, um, especially for incoming first years, it's important to go to events and go to things like case competitions and conferences because it's easier to network that way and also because you're going to be surrounded by um, more experienced, more seasoned professionals, but also students in the same boat as you. And so um, I also found it helpful to talk to current students as well. I think that some people 
may have this idea that you're supposed to network with people who are only more senior to you, but I think it was also helpful for me in my internship um, search process to also network and try to get to know current students because in the future those will also be our coworkers and peers in the field. Yeah, I'd like to kind of echo what you guys are saying. I would say taking advantage of the events that the program provides or maybe um, not necessarily within your program, but also within Cornell. And the great thing about Cornell is that there's a lot of opportunities given uh, through the various departments, like through the Johnson School of Management as well. So I would say don't be afraid to go to those types of places to kind of interact with professionals and whatnot. Yes, the next place I kind of want to gear into uh, was your guys' interview process. Okay. So what are ways that you kind of prep for it or uh, what tips do you guys have? So for me, I like to say that I'm a very organized person. So I put together a compiled list of interview questions, a pretty exhaustive list of interview questions that I got from um, people who have interned in the past and from our program resources. And I thought that having answers to those, not memorized, but being comfortable with questions like that and coming up with um, examples offhand um, from my prior experience helped the interview process to be much more smooth and authentic. So I didn't feel like I was ever really caught off guard in my interview process because I felt prepared in that sense. And I think Jill might have a different take on that, but that's <laughs> that's how, <laughs> that's how I prepared. Um, I guess it depends on the institutions that you guys, um, or that students like you kind of are interested in, whether it be consulting or hospitals, kind of looked similar to Seppin, kind of at both. John was actually, John and Seppin were really helpful in terms of like the case interview process, because mm-hmm. uh, it's very kind of, it's a process of interviewing that more and more uh, hospitals and consulting firms which have always been doing it, uh, have been interviewing by. So it's really looking at a, a problem and looking how to analyze it. The main thing I would say is to make sure that you know your story mm-hmm. you kn- and you know your story well yeah. uh, and you're able to communicate your story. Um, I did not take a bunch of questions like Adrian <laughs> had, uh, but uh, the main thing was just understanding kind of where I came from, you know, what are my work experiences? I think um, work or internship or kind of research, whatever experiences that you guys have, uh, there's a variety of kind of experiences like that. And there's a lot that you could really gain and that people don't realize kind of the angles that you're coming from right. when you're addressing a problem because something may have occurred either with a coworker or maybe with a supervisor and uh, learning how to talk about those situations in a constructive way is really important. Yeah, I'll touch on the case interviewing because mm-hmm. I think that's something that all consulting firms do. So for, yeah. you know, because I'm going to Deloitte, I did a lot of it. Um, and I just want to say no one is good at case interviewing immediately. I mean, you've got to practice and you got to put in the hours and do case after case after case until you get good. Um, so that's the first uh, bit of suggestion I would say is just practice. How long did it take you to oh, be long, felt comfortable? Probably about four weeks, okay. maybe twice a week. Um, practicing um, and that leads me into the second thing is have a buddy who you practice with because um, I've heard some people just watch YouTube videos or just read but you really have to actually you know do the case and also be the interviewer giving a case because it kind of lets you see how you know it looks from the other side you know what you're looking for you have the answer key in front of you so you want to look for the specific details in the case um, and then third, just brush up on your mental math. I know, you know, you don't get a calculator. You got to do the numbers off the top of your head. Mm-hmm. And the last thing is, is just be confident. 
they're looking for someone who's well does well under pressure. So I'll, specifically for Deloitte, they'll really they'll make you feel pressured. They won't look at you. They'll they'll you know be on their e- laptop <laughs> or email, just kind of you know just like give you one word answers. So you really gotta be cool under pressure, smile, mm-hmm. uh, just be yourself and act confident. And uh, another thing with those case interviews. Uh, um, with health systems doing kind of case interviewing and case type questions, mm-hmm. um, these health systems may not ask you a healthcare related question. Right. It could be something in a completely different field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it could be anything. Yeah. So even yeah. if you're not interested in consulting specifically, it's good to just be able to analyze problems mm-hmm. um, in the healthcare industry and also outside. I think that case prepping prepping is important because it it just sharpens up your analytical skills and thinking about things that are important to any type of business really yeah. i think more importantly it's about having a structured thought process oh, yes. like yeah. being able to follow what someone is saying is so important and as a consultant or even as a hospital project manager you're going to be speaking to stakeholders across the enterprise and across different firms. So I think it's very important that when someone looks at your work or is speaking to you, they're able to understand in layman terms or whatever the business proposition is or whatever you're bringing to the table. And I think having that structured thought process is just super important to being able to carry across your thoughts. Yeah, but I'd also say put your own individual's kind of spin on it. You know, don't try to structure your thinking into some something someone else tells you, but make sure you have your own sort of original thought and idea. I'm going to pivot away from all of <laughs> I actually do not like case interviews, mostly because I don't do well in them, and it's something I need practice in. But specifically for um, interviews, what I found helpful is, you know, I'm the, so I, I did the same thing with Adrian, you know, I have a very exhaustive list, um, and the same thing with Joe, you know, I have my story, make sure I have my story down, so I'm not going to repeat that since you already said, um, for me, what I found helpful was uh, kind of, you know, using your personality to your advantage, um, for me, you know, all the people here who know me know what kind of, I'm a very animated individual, <laughs> to say, uh, in, in uh, kinder words, I guess, I'm very eccentric, you know, I'm always smiling, always joking around, so, you know, when it comes to an interview, you really, you don't want to sound mechanical, um, especially when it, you do have an exhaustive list and you have those answers down. You don't, you know, people hate when you sound rehearsed and even mm-hmm. being on the opposite side and you never understand how it really, like what it really means to have rehearsed answers until you're on the, you know, outside looking in like, wow, that's just very rehearsed. Yeah. So you don't, you can have those rehearsed answers, but if you're just animated with it, if you're, if you have your, if you, you know, put your personality in the middle of answers, then maybe people can't tell and it really helps to your advantage. The places that I've gotten, you know, positioned with is because of my personality and how I let that shine through the interview. It wasn't because I was more qualified than someone else or I knew, you know, I was equally qualified or maybe less so, but because of my personality and how I use it to my advantage, that's one thing that I think, because at the end of the day, it's not necessarily what you know um, in terms of that position because you can always learn on the job. It's more so, you know, people want to, you know, someone who's very intelligent, of course, but they also want somebody who they can work with. And, you know, it's very difficult letting that shine through, you know, a 30-minute interview, 
but if you can do your best that can really help you you know differentiate you from someone else you know when those people who are reviewing applications and they remember they don't remember most of the people but then they remember oh yeah that was the person who's always smiling you know they made us laugh a couple times or two and that that can really help to your advantage I think that the interview process also um people often forget that it's about fit and the people who are interviewing you are trying to sort of evaluate how you would fit within that organization and how you would perform within that organization. And so I think that my, in having a list of questions, I don't try to memorize them or rehearse them, but I think it's a good idea to at least have thought about it prior to so that you know when they ask you, for example, tell me about a time when you've done this, you know you've thought about a time when you've done that yeah. and you're not standing yeah. there, you know, blank face for an extended period of time trying to come up with an example. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I have had that happen where literally um for one interview, I was just like they're not going to ask that, but let me re- let me have an answer just in case. Let me think about it. And literally, they asked me that. The first question, <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god." And then and then I and then I acted like I didn't know for a second. They're like, "Oh yeah, blah blah." <laughs> but yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think it's important to also be genuine. Like you want to put your best foot forward, but you also want to like JP said, let your personality shine through and stay true to who you are. And Joe talked about earlier about knowing your story and so really knowing what you can bring to that organization through your past, what you're trying to do um, in the future and where you're looking to go within that organization. I think that um, both of those things help you come across as a genuine person and will help you out in the interview process. Yeah, I I tend to I tend to echo both of your thoughts actually. And one way I, I really try to embody that genuineness is like at the end of my personal pitch or, you know, just my personal story, I'll like go ahead and try to relate it back to, you know, something I like to do or, you know, hobbies or like skills. So I always like to mention, you know, I love playing racket sports like tennis, badminton, and uh, love traveling and seeing new places and visiting new sites. So there's always like a way for you to kind of find some connection or some sort of embodiment through which you can maybe connect uh, with your interviewers or with uh, people at the firm or organization with on. And I also think that um, when you go to an interview, um, it's important to do your research on that organization beforehand because they also want to make sure that you genuinely want to be there as well. So I think that in doing your research on that organization prior to the interview, it shows your passion and commitment to that institution and it also helps you to have um, engaging or interesting questions to ask them as well about the position that you're applying or interviewing for. I'm glad that you, you brought that up. I was actually going to bring that up okay. next. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I feel like that it's it's very important when you're looking at an institution that you look at the mission, vision, values, right. and mm-hmm. see, does that really align with you know who I am as a person? You know, What do I want to do in the future? Is this an organization that you know that I could really believe in? Because I feel that if, you, if all of those things align, you'll find a great organization for you in, the, in terms of fit, um, like Seppin was talking about earlier. And some organizations will ask you, what do you know about us? So it is very, you know, important to be prepared and know so you're not just, you know, caught just 
you know, like a deer in headlights and have right. no idea. Yeah. So, yeah. So how did you prepare? Did you just Google behavioral questions <laughs> or did you like have any specific resources that you looked at? Well, I have uh, the questions from Sloan. I have a huge exhaustive list, mm-hmm. uh, just like Adrian. Mm-hmm. I have the questions from that, you know, you can find on the Sloan Blackboard. Mm-hmm. Um, I have questions from um, that I just compiled over the years. Mm-hmm. You know, originally I wasn't uh, interested in finance, so just some basic uh, finance questions that are really, you know, really a lot of mm-hmm. the same questions, uh, some technical questions, really the whole gamut of different kind of, kind of questions you may be asked. Uh, and I think having also, you know, two to three specific examples for at least the most important questions, you know, like, um, and, and also how to answer questions too. Like, you know, when people ask you, what's your weakness? They obviously don't really want you to have an actual weakness. It's more of a strength. Uh, so it's, you know, the internship is really a game that you have to know how to play. So you, you know, just having and really Googling kind of, you know, how to and seeing what the successful answers are to questions that you may be unsure about and tailoring that to your experiences and to your um, specific um, interview or position. So, so um, just... I have a slight disagreement with something that JP mentioned about the question about what is your biggest weakness or strength. That's probably one of the most common interview questions. And my take on the question when they ask you about your weakness is to be honest about a weakness, but not give a detrimental weakness. I think they are, they know everyone's not perfect. So I think they don't, they aren't really looking for you to give a strength when they're asking specifically for a weakness. But I think that they want to see instead of a weakness, think of it as an opportunity for improvement. At least that's how I like to approach the question. Yeah, how you reacted to failure or how you, right. how you, you essentially behavioral questions are an indicator of future performance. What they want to hear about is how you react in the past and how that will influence your own internships position or your own career path uh, down the road. And so I think it's very important to answer them honestly, but of course you want to be prepared come in with research and uh, really tailor your experience and your interests to the organization and the fit uh, there, yeah. Another, yeah, like, and to agree with Suppin, um, another thing again is to tailor it. You you really want to tailor, you know, that weakness, that your, your responses to that position, the, the same thing how I said about the cover letter where, um, you know, you don't want to have a one-size-fits-all cover letter, and especially for someplace you really want to go, you want to make sure that, you know, when an organization reads it, you, they know you're talking about them. So especially with your answers, you know, you may have a, the list and kind of, you know, responses that you may say to every organization, but you want to make sure to at least that organization, after researching them and seeing that position, that it, you know, it, 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 it it's specific to what you're interviewing for, not just one where an interviewer looks at you and be like, all right, you could you could have just said that to anybody. Yeah. I also found it very helpful to do multiple mock interviews before my actual interview mm-hmm. um, date because I felt like practicing questions or rehearsing things in my mind was not nearly the same as having a mock interview that pretty much puts you in the same feel, the same thought process as your real interview. So for me, when I did one with, um, when I did a mock interview, um, I didn't realize this, but I was just as nervous for my mock interview as I was for my real interview. And I thought that it was good because it really simulated that process. And it was nice to kind of 
flesh that out beforehand. Yeah, I definitely found the same for me. Like when I was going into the mock interviews, I was so nervous, and I don't know why. <laughs> right. But, yeah, but I, I think this is a good transition into uh, sort of. I thought maybe we could go around and each give one specific tip that would kind of be, might help uh, a Sloney next year um, because everyone's. Um, sort of nervous about getting an internship. Uh, so I could start. Um, just a resource that's good for consulting is vault.com. They have a lot of, a uh, comprehensive list of all the consulting firms that you could apply to. Um, also on the Blackboard, there's a list of all the previous placements for Sloney's. So you can kind of look at where's a possible place to get an internship. Um, and lastly is uh, specifically for consulting, but also for hostels, make sure you go to all the events I know they take down your name and they really want to see that you're engaged and they can work with you. So that's that's really big if you want to make a good impression and ultimately get an internship. I think those are all great things. I think another thing uh, would be that um, at the end of every interview, every organization you go to is going to ask you, you know, do you have any questions for us? And I think that making sure that you have, you know, a good question or good, you know, three, two, three questions. Um, will really kind of display kind of how you think and it'll be kind of a unique twist. Uh, and I think that's um, always valuable and you should have that um, for every organization you go to and if you, if possible, try to tailor it to an organization. One, one question that I've asked a lot, you know, healthcare is changing um, a lot, you know, every day there's new technology, you know, there's a new way of doing things. What's going to stay the same? you know, in five years, in 10 years, in 15 years. So yeah, those are all really good tips. But um, if I had to add something, I would say you should definitely stay encouraged throughout the process because you can be the most prepared person in the world and have a, you know, a clean resume, clean cover letter, and still not get the position that you want. And that's okay. I think that um, it's all a process. And even through the process, because, you know, you're going to be a grad student. And um, I think staying encouraged and staying persistent and on top of things, um, it'll be fine. It'll always work out. It'll always work out. I would say one thing is cast a wide net. Um, and that is more to make sure you really diversify. You know, for myself, I was, again, like, I was more focused on internships on the East Coast, more for... I didn't want to go too away from home for my internship experience at least and for but I will be you know on the other coast so it is best coast west coast say all that but um but you know ironically you know while I was focused on the east I ended up somewhere where I'm very excited about being so you know at the end of the day the internship search is more it's supposed to be about knowledge and the experience you will receive and not not so much where you'll be and what organization that it's with you know i you could have a better experience in a rural place in a small you know hospital healthcare system um as opposed to you know having it's not all about brand name internships so i think that you know when you do castle wide net and uh, look at places you ordinarily think that all right you wouldn't be interested in at face value that you know you may you'll have you may have a better experience a better you know educational experience that you can that that really helps you sets a foundation for you for your career and also again you have you may have better and more genuine um, interpersonal relationships with the people 
that you know you intern under so you know you may have a better letter of recommendation and also just people that you can really talk to throughout your career for whenever you have questions um, because you know they you've had a you know more intimate relationship with them yeah I, I definitely agree with all of you guys uh, I think if I had to add something as well I'd say don't forget that at the heart of healthcare it's people you know you're in this you're in this of course because you're interested in business aspect of healthcare, but you're also interested in making a difference uh, operationally or you know whatever interest you have. Um, but I think it's also important just making connections. You know, like I, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that focusing on quality over quantity that was probably my biggest takeaway and actually one of the biggest mistakes that I made in my internship process. You know, I applied to maybe hundreds of, of applied to maybe hundreds of companies but yeah. I got rejected from so many and I learned that that was because I did not have the appropriate rapport I did not build the relationship out enough so that way I could actually uh, take away something from from it at the end of the day so I think managing your time wisely and making sure that you're actually connecting with the people that are there at the organization and are in the industry I think that'll serve you you know throughout your career and yeah I think that was a great point Joe um, and I know from personal experience about being rejected from places that it's tough, yes, but you have to move forward. And I found that everyone kind of finds their niche when they have that interview that they just click with, they get the offer at the end of the day. So it all works out. Uh, with that, I'd like to thank our listeners, our guests, and my good friend Joe here for uh, throwing this podcast together. Yeah, I'd like to thank John for all his work. Got one more podcast for this uh, season of Health Conscious, the first season. Uh, you could check us out on healthconsciouspodcast.wordpress.com. Shout out to Sup and Shaw. Finally got on the podcast, and have a good day.